I thought tonight that we would, <clears throat> I'm gonna let you talk maybe a little bit more than, more than normal and that's fine. Um, kind of set the stage of the seven churches. Uh, you know, some say it was 70 AD. I, I lean toward the 95 to 96 AD. You know, when Rome burnt in 61 AD, <clears throat> 61 or 62 AD, I could be off one year. Nero, the first persecution of Christians came in Rome. There was not widespread persecution of Christians throughout the Roman Empire until about 95, or early 90s to mid 90s. I think that's one of the reasons I lean toward the later date. Uh, Nero blamed Christians because of his burning of the city and he had to blame somebody, so they, they picked on the Christians. But it was more of a local thing, more Rome than anything else. When we get 30, 35 years later, it's widespread. It's widespread. <clears throat> some politicians, or some some uh, historians, there's a big difference. <laughs> big difference. There was, over the period there was of about 300 years, there were 10 identifiable periods of persecution. If you consider the one in 61, 62 AD, call that the first one with Nero, you can go all the way through the next approximately 200, a little over 200 years, there were about nine more of those. <clears throat> they got progressively worse toward the end, around the, around the year 200, maybe 198 to 205, if I remember my numbers, there were 140,000 Christians that were killed. During that period, uh, one of the, um, maybe Polycarp or one of those guys, described a mother and a daughter that were, if they didn't renounce or, or, or admit that Caesar was, was God, that they would be boiled in oil, and they were. The person, the Roman soldier that did the boiling or, or, of them in oil later became a Christian because of what he witnessed there, and he ended up losing his life. So there's a lot of human interest kinds of stories during all that time, um, but it was hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of Christians that were killed during this period of almost 300 years. We'll call it 300 years. This is in 95 AD, roughly in there, with Domitian in charge. He came into power in 81 AD, and he went out of power in about 96 AD. Uh, the temperature was really beginning to, to um, mount for Christians. So the Lord in his infinite wisdom thankful for that, um, wrote this book of Revelation. And to, you know, we think of Revelation, we remember, go back a few weeks, what does the word apocalypsos mean? To conceal or to reveal? To reveal, to lay things bare, to be known. So far from this book being a, some sort of cloak and dagger mission, just the opposite. In spite of all of these hard times where Christians were being martyred and killed, in some cases by the thousand, the Lord and <clears throat> his wisdom appears to have, to have written this book to not discourage, but to encourage. 
that you can make it, that you can make it. Be faithful, uh, Revelation chapter 2 and verse 10 says what? Be faithful how long? Till death. And that was going to happen to a lot of them. So kind of with that backdrop, uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit about the conditions that Christians lived in then. So I'm going to open it up. I'm going to say, okay, politically. I've, I've touched on a little bit of it already, but what was the political situation in this at the end of the first century? Politically. Mm-hmm. Um, how did, how did um, the Romans view children even? Property. Property in a lot of cases to be tolerated. In, in some cases to be given away because it was interfering with their lifestyle. Does that ring a bell at all. Maybe not to that degree, but we, we see that kind of thing today. For the first time in 95, uh, year, the last year of his reign, Domitian says that you will call me Caesar is, uh, Caesar is Lord, Caesar is God, for the first time. Nero never demanded that or those even in between. So what kind of implications did that have on, um, on Christians? You must address me. You must, when you write about me or whatever, in your trade guilds, your trade unions, um, Caesar is God. That's me. Well, what's, what's the problem there as a Christian, Lance? That's, that's right. Um, and you remember, he mentioned Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I love their reply to Nebuchadnezzar. Amen. Our God will, is more than capable, I'm paraphrasing, but is more than capable of saving us. But if he does not, if it's not his will to do so, we will not serve you. Uh, he didn't say serve you. We will not, uh, we will not bow down to you. Better, better terminology. We're not going to bow down to you. So that's kind of where the that's a good point. Uh, the Christians, uh, similar kind of situation there, two thousand years ago, roughly. Um, and they were not willing to do it, and that's when heads started to roll. Uh, at least in big numbers, uh, Gary. That's right. Oh, that's right. And don't, without getting, in fact, I won't get graphic at all, but uh, I encourage you to read uh, some of the historians and some of the fates that Christians met and how they were killed. Um, I won't go ahead and get into that tonight, but it's, it's pretty gruesome. What about morally? What, what was the moral situation in, in Rome? Uh, go ahead, Lance, in there. Sure, yes, yes, for sure. They, they took it to a new level. They took it to a new level. They, Part of some of the religion. Yes, uh, it was on some of the uh, um, people that worshiped the little G gods. That was part of their, of their religion was 
was, was sexual immorality and that kind of thing. Um, I read where they, the rich people, and there was a tremendous wealthy class and there was a tremendous poor class. And the middle class had shrunk. You know, that's, we've seen, we're seeing that even in our society somewhat. Um, said that the rich people tried to outdo one another at parties and that kind of thing, that they would take pearls and they would melt them, uh, these valuable pearls, and put them in their drinks so that they were drinking a more expensive drink than you. I mean, just, just crazy, crazy things uh, like that were going on. It was a lot, of, a lot of parties, extravagance, a lot of money. You know, over half, I think that's, that's right, at least half, of the people in the Roman Empire were slaves. They were slaves. Um, so, tremendous difference between the wealth and extravagance of one, one class and the lack of those things in, in, the, uh, in, in the lower class and not much middle. Middle class was certainly shrink, uh, shrinking. Okay, so, so morally, what other dangers morally could you get into? Now, they, the Christians were living in that society. What can happen then and now when we live in a, a decadent society? What dangers are there for the church? Or are there dangers? Maybe, maybe you think there's not any danger. Acceptance, tolerance, for sure. Temptation, Temptation for sure. Compromise. Compromise. Who said that? That's exactly right. Compromising. Complacency, first cousin. Same kind of thing. Um, can it seep into the church? Uh, of course. These things can seep into the church. They, they can. Uh, that was a danger then, and, it, and, and it's a danger today. Doug? One way of the is the call of love. Today. Say it one more time. I'm sorry. I've... One way the creeps in is the call of love. Okay. Okay. Don't the Lord want us to be happy? They say. And that you can justify anything on that ground. Happy. What about economically? We, we've touched a little bit with the different class systems. But, but economically, if well, there were a lot of trades people and you had to be a member of the union to, to um, work that trade. And if you didn't... Uh, um, declare Caesar as God or what, and all these other things that they, they required, then you didn't have your union card, as it were. So that was a problem. That was a problem. Um, the message, that the book of Revelation was written for that day. It's not about Adolf Hitler coming in World War II or Saddam Hussein and that's not, people make it almost anything. First it was, you know, not first, but World War I, that was, uh, that was part of the revelation. No, 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 no. The message was for them to understand and hang in there. 
What's the message for you and me today? Same message. The same message. Things are going to get rough. Always have. They always have. Middle ages wasn't exactly a great time to live either. Um, it's, all, it's always been rough in its own way. And uh, the message is, is relevant 2,000 years ago, and it's relevant today. Ryan? That, that's, that's a really, really valid point, a good point. Um, I read that, and we've all read it over the last uh, several days, and the more, we've all read it many times before, but when, when I read Job and that, uh, Job 2, or when Satan comes and, and God says, if you consider my servant Job, and then he says, well, you know, anybody would serve you as long as you didn't. Uh, uh, so he took the family. Can you imagine all of that happening? And Sean had a lesson on that. Um, and you still retain your integrity, would you do that? I don't know. I don't know. I hope I would. I think I would. But if you lost all of your children, and every, I, it'd be tough. It'd be tough. Going similar things, yes. They are. They, they, they really are. Give me some phrases, um, sentences. That'd be fine, too. Of, G, of Jesus, when Jesus, of course, this is Jesus' message. It's not John's message. John's just a messenger. In fact, when John saw Jesus, now remember, they're best friends. <laughs> they were best friends. How did John see the, 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 the resurrected Jesus? Fell down like a dead man. And that's his best friend on the earth. Wow. So what were some of the things that Jesus said as he's walking through these, church, these seven churches? I know your works. What else? If you got an ear, you need to be listening to what I'm saying. And oh, by the way, I know everything about you. What else? Repent. How many of the churches did he say repent in, with, in? Five of the seven, yes. Who were the other two that did not? Smyrna and Philadelphia, that's right. I know your works. I walk among the churches. And, and what's the implication of that? I know all about you. I know all about you. You might try to fool, so you're not fooling me. He who has an ear and then repent. Those are the four that I had. There may be, an, for something else, you can raise your hand. Uh, Lance and then Peggy. Uh, I'm sorry, Doug, Peggy, Lance. Gotcha. No, that's right. No, that, that's exactly right, Peggy. That if you can overcome this, and you can, I have a big reward for you coming. Yes, he who overcomes. Said that, said that several times. Uh, Lance, sorry.
10 persecutions over about 300 years, maybe 275 years, something like that, yeah. Yep. Ephesus, the city of Ephesus. We talked in great detail about that one, actually. I think we took two lessons on that because it was uh, a lot to talk about. I just wrote a few things here. Uh, they had seven, if I count them right, imagine that, seven, seven good qualities. Now, some of you are counting right now going, I don't know if that was seven or not, but uh, I think I got them right. Seven. They had one bad quality. Seven out of eight? That's 87.5%. That's pretty good. What was the big one? Love for Christ. And if you don't, if, if you've gone cold on your love for Jesus, you've probably gone cold on your love for others too, probably. I don't think that's stretching at all. Um, he lists these things that you're doing. And, you know, you can almost see them, well, their chest out a little bit. That's pretty good. And then he says, this one thing I have against you, you've lost your first love, or you left your first love. Uh, what do you think that means exactly? Uh, you know, we touched, touched on some some things on, on the other slides about what that might entail or imply. You know, go into your brain housing group and try to bring those up. You remember? What could that be? Love of the truth. Love of the truth. Okay. John? Is there truth be persecution of righteousness? Okay. Matthew 6.33. Yep. They had their priorities mixed up, John, would you say that? Priorities were misplaced. Let's go one. Ryan. Yeah, isn't that our goal? Isn't that our job? Maybe, maybe we have lots of goals in, in religion, but isn't that kind of the job that we're that we're? Uh, Jesus told us to do. He said, "You need to be out preaching and teaching." Well, what if they won't listen? Not your problem. God gives the increase. The gospel is still powerful. We've seen that recently, Gary. <coughs> Well, it, it, it could be. Um, I've, I've used that term before. Who, do, who are we dealing with here? Sometimes we, we think we're dealing with a friend or a, uh, an acquaintance. So who are you dealing with here? God don't play games with, with this stuff. And Jesus said that to the Ephesians. Lost your first love, brother. Not going to work for you. 
You, you can have all these outward actions, but if your motives are not pure, it may not work. Uh, remember in 1 Corinthians 13, talked about you can have your body, give your body to be burned. If you don't have uh, love, you're like a, a, a tinkling cymbal and, and that, you're just noise. We might say it's just noise. Yeah, it's, it's serious stuff, uh, Don. Any, any organization that you join, there's got to be a reason for you to join it. Mm -hmm. What was the reason you signed up with the outfit? You know, was, it, was it the money that was involved? You know, what are you going to get out of it? Was it the friendship? The people? Their way of, of talking and doing business? Uh, who's the leader of it? Mm -hmm. there's, there's a whole bunch of things to consider. And if you enter the church and think it's going to be a Right. And I can't do this and I can't do that, and they're gonna come around and kill me if I do do that. It kind of makes you step back and, and wonder, is it worth it? Well, that's I a question. No, that absolutely and, and that's not a that's not an invalid question. It's a legitimate question that they ask, and at times we may have to ask. Maybe we have asked. At one, at maybe multiple times in our lives, but maybe it's coming where we have to ask. Is this worth it? And to some, it's not. Luke 14. Have you sat down and counted the cost? Because if you turn back, you know, people are going to laugh at you. Count the cost. And there is a cost, isn't there? Absolutely. That's what Peter said, wasn't it? Uh, remember when Jesus just, he sort of wistfully looked away and everybody, everybody left. You could almost feel his heart uh, breaking a little bit. And he looked at his, the folks, he had, are you going to go away too? I mean, like he's, you know, he's lost friends here. I mean, he's almost like he's alone in a way. And when Peter said, Lord, there's no place else to go. Where shall we go? And that's a question we always have to ask ourselves. Count the cost, yes. But if the answer's in the negative, okay, where are you going? No place to go? With any hope? Lance, real quick, then we're going to have to move. The, the, the song we sang says, have you counted the cost if your soul would be lost? Mm-hmm. Yep. No, that's true. Now, as you thumb over into the book of Revelation, starting at you know, chapter 13 and on toward the end, um, you see the triumphant Jesus. 
He wins. We, we already know that, don't we? He wins. It's kind of nice to fight on the side that wins. I don't mean you're going to win every battle, but you win. We win. They won. We will win. And Jesus, in, in his, in his uh, uh, visionage that, that he gives to all of us, or in, in the book there is, it's okay. It's, it's going to be worth it because you see who I am now. I'm not a carpenter anymore. I, I'm, I'm, I win. And you want to be on my side. You want to be on my side. But it make it rough. Yeah. Yeah. Good, good points. Okay, Smyrna. Smyrna, chapter 2. Um, one of the churches, one of the two that we, we decided, no, we didn't decide. The Lord, Lord decided that, that there's nothing negative to say about them. But now were they... Cruise, were they on cruise control? Boy, the Lord didn't have anything bad to say about us. Life is good in Smyrna. Is that what it says? No, 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 no. He says, look in verse uh, 9 of chapter 2. We won't read it all, but I know your works. Tribulation and poverty. But you are rich. And I know the blasphemy of those who say they are Jews and are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. Do not fear any of those things which you are about to suffer. So this was, this was not a materially wealthy church, Smyrna. Um, and they were going to have to face even up to death. And he says, you be faithful to death. And then here's this question. I, I guess we kind of jumped ahead a little bit, but it's okay. Is serving Christ and the salvation he offers worth whatever pain and suffering this life may bring? Now, a church can decide that, I, I, you know, elders or whatever. Yes, it is. But it comes down to what? It's individuals. Each of us have to, have to decide and answer that question. You have to answer that question. Now, here's the here's the the, the one of the nice things about being a Christian, as long as the world stands. At different times, particularly early on in my life, I answered that no. I enjoyed the world too much, and the things it had to offer. And God, in His mercy and long suffering, said, "Let me let me read you this question again here, Mitch." And how are you going to answer it this time? So, you know, if you're somewhere in the middle where you're not sure, get sure, and, and maybe with a little time you, you can you become more sure. Uh, but the Lord knows our works, and he knows how we answer that question. Does that, make, does that make sense? Anybody else ever been there besides me? This is probably confessing some <laughs> things up here, but... I suspect I'm seeing heads nodding, and thank you for, for, for doing that. We've been there. I just don't know. I enjoyed, I enjoyed that running, that, that, all that stuff from my worldly perspective. But eventually you got to say, nah, that's a dead-end street. That's a dead-end street. I finally got to that where I said, it's just a dead-end. When my, when my buddies asked me, what are you doing, dude? You don't run with us. I said, it's a dead-end street. I'm done here. 
Greg. Not worthy. Sometimes we, we get a, we get ourselves caught up in making this evaluation of is it worth it or not based on worldly. Uh, right. The reality is the world isn't worthy of true faithfulness. That's right. The Hebrew writer points it out, and that's what Revelation is. <clears throat> it's not worthy because it's something that's valuable. Yeah. And, and that's what God recognizes is that true faithfulness that binds us. And that's hard for us to get our eyes off the world and get our eyes on that. Uh, that's true. That's well said, well said. Don and uh, probably gonna gonna be tough to get through all seven. In, in verse nine and ten, here talking to the church at Smyrna, he uses two words. One of them is translated as Satan, the other is translated as the devil. The first one, Satan, as as it occurs there, here is the accuser. Here is the one. Here is the one who is an adversary, but he's not like that. Satan, who is the angel standing before the with the sword ready to kill. The one is the influence, the other is the dead stop. The devil is going to stop you dead in your tracks by putting you to death in this one. Mm -hmm. But you've got the adversary that if you do not have Jesus by your side in that death, that adversary is going to continue right on. That's true. I don't know. Greg brought about Hebrews 11. One of the, all those names are encouraging to me because they were human beings and they went through a lot and they weren't always as strong as they When I get to Samson, dude, he was a womanizer. He was, he was all these things. And at the end, in this hall of fame, if you will, Samson's name is there. And Samson had pulled the, you know, that last big act when he pulled everything down on him, and, and he had to learn a lot of hard lessons. There's hope for you and me if there was hope for Samson. And Samson would not be there in Hebrews 11 if he didn't make it. I can tell you that he wouldn't, Sean. Yeah. For the, for, for the record, Sean says not to be saying any more about Samson. But you know how we read these things and, and we think, oh, he was a bomb. You know, I wouldn't have ever have done that. Well, you might have. But how he turned out at the end and to God's mercy and his grace to save a man like Samson who got it right at the very end. There's hope for you. And there's hope for me. <laughs> what? Uh, uh, Doug, I really need to move. Can you? Okay, the little one. Romans 3.18, for I consider the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory revealed to us. Uh, no, that, that's a good one. How long do you think we'll remember all this once we... The angels carry us to Abraham's bosom when we die. Some of us are getting closer all the time. Well, we all are, but um, half a second. 
maybe you know not any and then this is it, it's just going to be it's just for a short time as 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 god describes it just for a short time we'll be okay um remember you well i won't get it i won't get into that right now because i'm not gonna have time uh pergamos or pergamum uh, i've got it entitled faithful in persecution but tolerated evil um was Pergamos a pretty good church? We would call it overall? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but they compromised, which someone had mentioned earlier. And we see that kind of concept going through some of these churches. Uh, they, they, they compromised. And is it easier to compromise or, or is it easier to stand up for what's right? What, what about Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 6? What were they doing? Were they compromising? Sure. Sure they were. There was more messed up church, at least it's recorded, than, than Corinth. I, I, I don't know where it is. And we say, well, that, you know, that sometimes I meant to bring that point up. We say that, that, that Revelation was for them only. Well, was 1 Corinthians for the Corinthian church only? Not at all. It was for us, too, for us to learn lessons, for sure. Yeah. Uh, yes. A lot, yes. Yes, it could be on marriage, divorce, and remarriage. It could be on homosexuality. It, it can be on women's role in the church. All these things are not popular today. And we can compromise. We've had opportunity, hadn't we, Rick and David, on some of these very issues recently and made our lives a whole lot easier. But what does this say? And we, had to, we kept going back to that. I'm sorry, that's just what the Bible says. I, I didn't write it, but that's just what it, what's in there. Compromising says, ah, we're, we're good here. Yep. But they, they were doing a lot of good stuff at Pergamos. It wasn't like this is some dud church. It's a pretty good church. They just were compromising the truth in some ways, several ways. <clears throat> Thyatira, uh, another good church, had a lot of good qualities. The Lord had a lot of good things to say about Thyatira. But they had one fault, and, and as someone pointed out earlier, one fault can destroy a lot of good. Um, they had a false teacher in their midst, and her name was Jezebel. Don't, know, don't think that was her real name, but it was a, a woman who's a prophetess. And evidently had a following. Had a following. And there were people that were, were right in with her. And the Lord says, uh-uh, can't, can't do that. You can't do that. Um, still at work today. Uh, when I say the word, not so much anymore, but when we were young people coming along, uh, there was a, a phrase, a term called situation ethics. And I see some of the, even the younger people going, yeah, I get it. Um, what does that mean in a nutshell? Situation ethics. Is there absolute truth in situation ethics? No. You know what I say when people say, well, there's no absolute truth. I say, are you absolutely sure? <laughs> what? That generally stops that conversation. There's no absolute truth. There are absolute truths. 
Not because I said them, I'm nothing. Because the Bible says them. But that could have been going on. We see that in some churches today. Let's uh, go along to get along. You heard that one. Let's go along to get along. Well, everybody wants to get along. I mean, people won't go along with you until they get along with you. I firmly believe that. But not get along at any, at, at any expense, right, Alan? You know, it's, it's all right here. You know, you need to give a little. Don't be so dogmatic. You members of that church, y'all are a little bit dogmatic. Well, okay, guilty. We're dogmatic about the truth. What's truth? My opinion, my opinion's worth nothing, and neither is yours. What does this say? Well, we got, that was the first one, right? All right, here's Sardis, the dead church. Uh, but were there even a few in Sardis who were still holding on to the truth? A few. But the Lord said, you're dead. You're a dead church. Uh, probably loved the world, worldly pleasures, had a good reputation on the outside, but not a good reputation on the inside where Jesus is. Big difference. We talked about that. Uh, Philadelphia, the, uh, nothing negative there. Lord says, uh, I'll open doors for you for the gospel. And then Laodicea, nothing good said about Laodicea. Lukewarm, we talked about all of that with the cold water, all of that. Um, but even with Laodicea, we'll stop with this. What did the Lord say at the end? I'm still knocking Laodicea. I know I didn't have a thing good to say about you, but if you'll let me in, I'll still come in to you. You can change. You can repent. Philadelphia, the door's always, always open because they were doing it the right way. Okay, uh, Sunday we'll talk about the New Jerusalem. Pretty exciting, actually. All right, thank you.